Well, if we look at that following Christ, all the things that Christ comes from and what he does comes from his relationship with the Father and that absolute utter defining moment where he knows he is loved and where we're told this is my son the beloved listen to him both at his baptism and then at the transfiguration is it do you think necessary that if people are going to come from a place of real love as opposed to the law that they need to have some kind of sense really experience of knowing they are beloved of Christ I think it's absolutely essential. Religious experience is all about the encounter of a personal love. I think sometimes some Christians, some Catholics have had an idea of God's love. That's very different to having an encounter of it. You know, I wouldn't be talking to you right now as a very happy Jesuit priest if I hadn't encountered the love of Christ. Now, I'm sinful. I There are things I wish I hadn't done, things I wish I hadn't said, and that could be as much as half an hour ago. Um, you know, I'm not setting myself up as any paradigm or paragon of virtue, but it's precisely because you do know that you're a loved sinner, St. Ignatius says in the spiritual exercises, that you're a loved sinner, that that becomes the great insight that really is very helpful. And therefore, that encounter on Tabor, which I write a chapter on the transfiguration in this book, that's to be shared. They come down the mountaintop and don't tell anybody until after the resurrection, when in fact that became their experience too. And let's focus on St. Paul just for a minute, because I do a little bit of work on Paul, and I think we've played down one of the most important chapters in his life. And we played it down because it doesn't quite fit having this great saint, and he is a great saint. Paul was a religious nut. He was the Taliban of his day. He went around presiding over and at least arguably participating in the murder of Christians. We would now lock Paul up, Saul anyway, before his conversion. Now we play this chapter down. He didn't do that. He comes back to it four times, as I chart in the book. He comes back to it four times in his letters, talking about what he had done before his conversion. But he is a religious maniac. He thought he was doing God's work. And that's incredibly important to knowing about God's personal love. The encounter on Damascus, the whole experience of conversion for Paul, which now scholars about Paul would say probably wasn't within a couple of days. We're now talking yeah. probably process of years mm -hmm. that Paul comes to this revelation of his love. It's intimately connected to his being forgiven by God and for what he had done and then goes on to be one of the great, greatest evangelists and apostles, of course, that the church has ever known. So I think that's profound. If every time we feel we're not loved or unable to be loved, then go back to St. Paul. Because if Paul can turn his life around by being the Taliban of his day, presiding over murder, and then getting converted and being the saint of the earliest church or the greatest missionary in the earliest church, then there's hope for the rest of us. And I think that really matters because some people just think they're unlovable and they're not. None of us are unlovable. None of us are unforgivable. And that's why the present Pope, I think, has emphasised so strongly that our mission into the world, like Paul's mission into the world, is to carry what we've encountered, carry what we've experienced. So Tabor is a movable feast for all of us. It's not just the Son who is revealed as being utterly loved by God. Through the Son, we are all utterly loved by God. And that's got to be the message. That is the message that we've got to share with the world. And in my experience as a parish priest now in North Sydney in Australia, 
I don't think people are overhearing it. In fact, I think there's a whole group who haven't even heard it the first time round, and they respond very well when they can get a sense that that's the sort of God that they're seeking out to have an encounter. And also that I think that they've had maybe the experiences, as T.S. Eliot said, we had the experience, we missed the meaning. I think there are a lot of people who have had spiritual experiences or experiences of God who wouldn't dream of putting that word on it or wouldn't see it in that light unless they have the help of like spiritual midwives, male or female, who can say to somebody, you know, that's an experience of God. And then when they recognize that, the law is not what becomes important, but the love that comes from the understanding of that experience is what's important. And then you do the things that are right because you know you're loved. We are an incarnated religion. We are the only world religion that believes that our God took human form. That's an incredible thing to believe. What a vote of confidence in humanity for a start. But therefore, because we're incarnational, the matters of of human agency, of the way that God works, is in and through being loved by other people, in and through human encounter. So when people say, I haven't had a religious experience, I haven't had an encounter of God, that's because sometimes the stereotypical thing is we've all got to go up a mountaintop and have some encounter. Now, for some people, they have had that extraordinary, dramatic, wonderful encounter with God. But I always say to people who say, well, I haven't ever encountered God or I don't know God's love. I say, have you encountered that you've loved somebody or you've felt loved by another human being? God works in and through that, I'm sure. And I tell the story in the book, if you can bear a lovely story for a moment, of in my own life when I was um, in my last year at school with the Irish Christian brothers, the Edmund Rice brothers uh, in Australia, and I was educated by those great men. And in my last year, they got in a wonderful diocesan priest called Ray O'Leary to give our retreat. And he gave us a little bit to read out of a book called Why Am I Afraid to Love? And that book said um, this little extract we had to go away and think about and pray about on our last retreat for our high school. It said, don't leave this world not having told the people that you love that you love them, because when they're dead, at least in this life, it's too late. And if how you act towards them and speak to them, you show you love them then it should be the easiest thing in the world for a Christian. So I don't come from a very demonstrative Irish-Australian Catholic family. I'm in my last year of high school. My father had died when I was very young, but my mother at that stage had never told me she loved me. I'd never said it to my older brother and older sister, Peter and Tracy. So I came back from my year 12 retreat on a mission. I'm telling my family that I love them, whether they wanted to hear it or not. So I sat down and wrote to my brother, who was working at a state, wrote to my sister, who was then working with Mother Teresa in Calcutta. And I said in these two letters, Dear Peter, dear Tracy, I just want to tell you something I have never told you before. I love you. I've never heard back. They have never (laughs) replied to those letters. That left my mother. I stayed in one Saturday night. Tonight's the night I'm going to tell my mother that I love her. And I'm sure there's a lot of Irish people listening to us right now could relate to this because it's become common for a whole lot of families to say, I love you all the time. And I think that's a good thing. But it's fairly recent in our cultures, I think. So I was in my bedroom. I was so nervous about what I was about to do. 
tell my mother that I love her. My heart's going boom, boom, boom. My tummy's going churn, 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 churn. You'd swear I was about to ask my mother to marry me. I was so nervous. But I plucked up my courage, got out there, and I said, Mum, I've got something very important to tell you. Oh, she didn't take her eyes off the television. She was watching the 7 o'clock news. And she said, oh, what's that? And I said, no, it's really important what I want to say tonight. I've never told you this before, and I really want to say this. It's really serious. And by the way, she fumbled for the remote and turned off the television. I could tell there were now two hearts gone, boom, 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 boom. Two tummies going churn, 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 churn. And mum looked at me. Now, 20 years later, my mother said, oh, my God, I remember that night like it was last night. She said, I thought you were about to say one of two things. My mother thought I was about to say, mum, I've got a girl pregnant or mum, I'm gay. And my mother's sitting there saying, whichever one is coming, keep calm keep calm, keep calm. I plucked up my courage. I came straight out with it. And I said, mum, I just want to tell you, I love you. She thought it was the warm-up act for the big news yet to come. (laughs) So she looked up at me and she said, is that it? And I said, oh, yes, before I died, I wanted to be able to say that uh, I had told my mother that I love her. And I do. I love you, mum. And such was her relief. She looked back at me and she said, I hope so. (laughs) And turned back on the television. And I went back to my room going, I don't think it was supposed to go like that. And what happened subsequently was my brother and my sister wrote to my mother and said, we've had these very weird letters from him. And my mother apparently wrote back to Peter and Tracy and said, oh, bully for you. I've had the whole experience in person. But she said, don't worry. It's a phase he's going through. And he'll get over it sometime soon. Now, I say in the book, it's a phase I'll never get over because we're incarnated. We are a religion of human love. So how do we encounter the love of God? Through telling one another that we love. But as clear in the book, we've got to get clear. Don't tell people that you don't love that you love them. You're devaluing the currency. If you want to know who you love, ask a couple of questions. How do you speak to people? How do you treat them? You can tell people that you love them till the cows come home. If you speak to them badly and treat them appallingly, you don't love them yet. And thirdly, in Christianity, we ask a really big question. You want to work out who you love? For whom would you die? And in my experience, that shortens the I love you list considerably. (laughs) And it's not dying necessarily as in taking a bullet for someone, though sacrificial love is huge, of course, in the Christian story with Christ for all of us. But it's actually the love that says my needs and my life are not the only thing. And that's not the only part of this equation that matters. And that's the sort of thing I'm trying to get to in the law of love, that God loves us in and through the most wonderful ways that we're loved. And that's how God communicates. 